Hey there, and welcome to Reaching Out with Michael Constable, a podcast on a mission to make coming out easier through story sharing. I'm your host, Michael. What an absolute treat you're in for today with our guest, JC Queen. He is one of the funniest, quirkiest, silliest, and most lovable people I've met in recent memory. And I'm so happy that I stumbled upon his podcast, The Wholesome Podcast, Hold the W, so that our paths got to cross. Before we get into JC's powerful journey of self-acceptance and self-love, JC and I discussed something that has not been discussed very much on Reaching Out, astrology. JC basically got me hooked on learning more about my birth chart before we recorded this episode, and I was so invested in it that we decided to chat about it on this episode. We talk about our placements for Venus, which is how you express yourself romantically, and Mars, which is sex and aggression. Now, my birth chart is like something that I just started looking into and discovering, and I am so fascinated by it. And the discussion we have, we talk about some of the things that really resonated for both of us and how our Venus and Mars comes into play in our, or how we see it relating to our actual experience. And I highly recommend anybody who hasn't taken a look at their birth chart to figure that out because it's very eye-opening stuff. JC then tells us his powerful, inspirational, and at times heavy story about coming out at 14 years old in San Antonio. Just to give a trigger warning for listeners, JC's story deals with some potentially triggering topics like being forced into Christian church counseling, being kicked out of his home while in high school, physical abuse, and even suicidal thoughts. So just want to give a heads up to anybody listening who might be triggered by those topics. And despite the heavy topics, JC's story is ultimately one about self-love and self-reliance. It's a story about, in JC's words, seeing both the ugly and beautiful in life. And ultimately, it's about trusting your intuition, living authentically, and becoming a beacon of permission to help others live authentically as well. JC is the ultimate sweetie, and I'm so, so excited for you to meet him. Enjoy. Hey there. Before we continue with this week's story, I just wanted to pop in and remind you that you too can be a part of Reaching Out. If you're interested in sharing your story on the podcast, head on over to at Reaching Out Pod on Instagram and fill out the Google form in the link in bio. While you're there, feel free to give us a quick follow if you'd like. Oh yeah, and while I've got you here, if you find yourself enjoying this episode or just want to make my day, by all means, feel free to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It'll give the podcast a better chance of being discovered by someone who just might need to hear the very story you're about to hear. All right, now back to this week's story. Enjoy, BB. One thing that I've been so excited to say to you since <laughs> since I knew you were on this podcast is, hi JC. Hi Michael. I don't know if you I don't know if you notice this, but every single time I listen to your podcast, you always start. You always go, hi Penny. <laughs> he goes, hi JC. And he goes, and I don't he know why. Hi JC. And I'm like, oh my god, it's I find it to be very cute. How are you doing, JC? What's up, boo? I'm great. I woke up at seven. I cleaned my kitchen because I was getting flashbacks to my misbehavior on Sunday because my friends were <laughs> over. So no, literally the aftermath of the rubble was still here, the evidence. So I cleaned this morning and then, yeah, that's it. Well, it looks super clean and I can't see any evidence. And you look so handsome with your sweater and your button down. Great. Thank you. You look great yeah. too. Thank you. JC, I am so excited to have you on here because I found your podcast at a time when I feel like it was like serendipitous because I needed your podcast at the moment that I found it. And I can get into that a little bit later. But I would love for you to give the listeners an intro to yourself and your podcast as well because I think both are so great. You're so sweet. My name is JC Queen. I live in Los Angeles, California. And the podcast that Mr. Michael is referencing is called The Wholesome Podcast. And I do it with one of my really good friends, Panina Lampoon. Give him a shout too. He's so wonderful. We went to dinner one day and I had just met him, walked him to the table. High energy from me, high energy from him. Our energies were saying hi. And we became friends like closely at the table. And I had always wanted to do a podcast. I didn't really know what it was going to ever be about. But as him and I were talking and understanding each other, we thought it would be fun to have a very queer-focused podcast. And then being in Los Angeles too, I think that this chapter of my life, and I'll explain some of my other chapters as we continue our conversation, I think this one was about me getting closer to my community, my queer community, and falling in love with them, seeing the bad and the good, and being hopeful that the good just progresses. And so the point of this podcast 
is to bridge a lot of gaps, have discussions and maybe destigmatize things, talk about healing. There's a lot of things that we're still working through in our community. So Penny and I has made it our mission to talk about sex relationship, how to progress in our relationships, learn along the way too, because we don't have all the answers and to bring on more people that are going to help us get to that bigger goal and the greater goal of really connecting our community. I'm not going to be able to do it by myself, obviously, but it's just one of the many ways I can do and help. What I really appreciate, and you hit a couple of the reasons why I love your podcast so much, like now in the head was first you mentioned destigmatization and I just like the authenticity of the topics that you talk about, you're like, both of you, I'll say, are both like super vulnerable and just authentic is another word. So for me, this, I think I came across this, I was, I don't know if it's fair to say I was going through a breakup because the breakup had happened months earlier, but I was experiencing the breakup when I found your podcast. For me, the breakup, like a lot of the heaviest feelings of it, like were delayed for me just due to certain living circumstances and what I was doing with my life right after it for the next couple of months. And so when I found your podcast, I was in this mode of wanting to hear more stories about other this because it was my first relationship, my first ever breakup. And so I was experiencing a lot of really heavy emotions for the first time, like these really raw emotions. And I was like, I don't know what to do with all this. Like, what do I do with it? And so what I found, and especially this also happened to me when coming out. And so similarly to why I started reaching out, I thought that hearing people's stories was always like the most healing thing for me because it makes you feel like you're not crazy. It makes you feel like you're in this with other people. It makes you feel like you're, you're not losing your shit despite how it feels like you're losing your shit. I truly don't even know how it crossed my path, but I found the breakup episode where your co-host Penny talks about his breakup. And it was just like, you guys just talked about everything so openly and honestly, and you threw in some of your experiences. And it was just like, I, it crossed me at the right, the very right moment when I needed to hear it and to consume more of these stories. And then I just proceeded to, to keep listening to your show because I just thought that the energy you guys have is really fun. And I was like, instantly, I was like, oh, JC, I could just feel like the energy resonates big time with me. So, Anthony, too, mm-hmm. but I just find both of you to be so, so fun to listen to. One of the things that keeps me coming back, I think, this really good friend of mine this year, Rick, in Mexico City when I was here in the spring. And he was like one of my very first gay friends here. And I hadn't had that yet. And you, typically, like his personality would have been one of the ones that like would make me nervous and anxious because he is so open and authentic and willing to share. And he's vulnerable. Point where I'm not always like that. And so sometimes that can make me feel uncomfortable. And it's not anything to do with like them. It's not like a them problem. It's like a me not having that experience or not always feeling comfortable being that authentic or just like sharing really personal things. Despite this podcast, I do I share more on here than I thought I would, to be honest, <laughs> which I'm happy about because I think it's something I needed to get out of my shell. But he always talks about the reason why he's so open and authentic about some of these topics, especially... I mean, and typically a lot of this is around conversations about sex, which makes me just feel... I got a lot of shit to unpack from growing up with that regards to that. So... One thing that he says that he does it intentionally, he says he's trying to be, he uses the term beacon of permission. He says he's trying to be a beacon of permission. And what he means by that is that he hopes that by him being open and authentic, it makes other people feel more comfortable being open and authentic and destigmatizing certain conversations. And I think a lot of conversations that you have on your show, you're doing that as well. And I'm speaking from my, for me as a listener of your podcast, it makes me feel it normalizes some of these conversations and some of these topics. So I haven't told you all of that about your podcast, but I was excited to share like Aww. why it resonates with me so much. And I think you guys are doing a really great job. Thank you. I really freaking appreciate that. I think one thing about your friend and then just what you were saying a second ago about not being as open. I think in our community, one thing that we do share very commonly, whether it be at the beginning or during the process of being coming out or just being gay as a gay person through our world is that we definitely feel a amount of shame, right? And I think it, is being shameful that you are gay and that you didn't get to choose this. If you could choose something easier, you would. And so I think talking about things openly heals the shame in a lot of ways because once it's out there, it's out there. You can't hide it anymore. There's even people specifically, the one thing that comes to mind because I we're just talking about this with a friend, but one thing sexually that people are constantly shamed about or shame feel shame about when I meet them is having a foot fetish or having a thing for feet. Let me just get to it. Let me get to the reason why I'm saying that. When I'm in bed with somebody, I like to open up the book and say, what are you into? Is this a safe space? I just want to pleasure you. Now I have my limitations and my boundaries for the most part, but 
I can do everything. And one thing that has been consistent for some reason, and I'm not saying that I have these glowing toes on my body, but it has opened that comfort level with people. And I think that to me, that's very important. I'll tell you that. And just to be also honest, completely honest, I've said this on the pod too, I believe I have. I think this chapter in my life, I've gone through all my stuff and I wasn't always honest with myself and I always wasn't honest with other people. And to be to put it into to a very simpler turn, I was a very big pathological liar when I was younger. In my early 20s, in my teen years, I was very ashamed of where my life was at, my family. I was embarrassed about a lot of things. So therefore, I would come up with a better story for other people to assume was about me. And I think this time in my life, I think it's very freeing and liberating when I can just say what truly is going on in my reality as ugly and dirty and as probably sometimes not the most thing to be proud of. I'm grateful for it because I think that has taken a lot of weight that I used to carry off my back. And I think that's where I'm at with all that. That's why this podcast is also very healing too. Yeah. Like you're not holding back. It's got to be so freeing. I didn't know that. I mean, it's like you're a complete 180 just based off of how I have gotten to know you a little bit. Well, it helped my self-esteem too, because I think at some yeah. certain degree, I was like, JC, you're such a freaking liar. Like, why do you always lie? My mom would call me out. And it was just about little things too, and big things. So now it's just being completely open and honest and just being like, basically, it's like everybody's a surgeon and I'm just an open body, just like letting it all out. It was great. <laughs> One thing I like about you is that you also just have a lot of self-awareness, I feel. And you, not only are you like silly, goofy, quirky, random, but <laughs> you're also, <laughs> but you also, I think you're very, I've learned that you're very aware of certain aspects of you and like how you are in certain situations. And you and I first started chatting a couple of weeks ago. We started talking about horoscopes and we started sharing. You asked me what my horoscope was and I just had gotten my like full chart for the first time in my life. I had my mom, I texted my mom asking her to send me a picture on my birth certificate so I could go on CoStar and figure all of it out. And you kind of helped walk me through it. And so I'm super excited to have you on here today because we are going to talk about horoscopes today for the first time on Reaching Out. So specifically, yeah, do you want to give an intro into the to specific... Because I didn't know you had all of these planets in your chart. I thought it was just like, okay, I'm an Aquarius, but then my rising and my moon is this. I didn't know that there were so many other things and that each, all the planets mean something else. So do you want to give a quick little intro into the ones that we're going to discuss and why we chose yeah. them? Absolutely. So specifically why this is a gay conversation about relationships and love and experiencing and what that's all like. So I thought it would be fun to talk specifically about two planets and it's going to be our Venus and our Mars. Our Venus is the planet of love, how we love, how we like to be loved. And then the next one is Mars, which is my favorite one to ask because I, once I get into something with a guy, I'm like, how does he argue and how does he have sex? Right Now, I don't hold. So these... do you do you ask them for their chart in the early stages? Like, how does this work? For no, you? no. But I, but eventually I do ask because I'm curious. I don't hold it. You just ask for a copy of their birth certificate and you figure it out yourself. And then I make copies. <laughs> I put it in a Manila folder and I file it because I'm a Virgo son. Hundred <laughs> percent in a Manila folder right now. I can tell you for a fact it is in a Manila folder right now. <laughs> oh, I definitely store it in there. Being around people, specifically in Los Angeles, they have helped me a lot navigate the world of astrology because I didn't know much about it. I know that when I was reading my Virgo chart, I would relate to it in a lot of ways. But then when it came down to emotionally what Virgos are like, I would never really relate to it in a lot of ways. And so then I found out your planet that rules your emotions is your moon. Well, a moon is not a planet, but your moon, which is mine is in Gemini. When I'd read it, I would be like, oh my gosh, I actually do relate to that. This is why I'm everywhere now. Again, I don't, I use this as guideposts, really. I don't use it actually to label you, put it on your head and say, oh, this is how you are. But there is something to be said about these planets and our relation to it because there's a lot of accuracy. I mean, just the, you sent me a link to the astrology guy, some of his videos, and I've been watching them since. And there were a couple where I was just like, like I had to clutch <laughs> my chest for a second. I was like, that is, you just described how I've felt in two minutes better than I have been able to my entire life. So, I mean, I'm new to this world, but like the more of these videos I see, I'm like, shit, man, this feels really on point in a lot of ways. 
So what is your Venus? My Venus. Well, so my Venus and my Mars were both in Capricorn. Okay. <laughs> so, and I think that I had six planets in Capricorn. I found out. So you're ruled by Capricorn. Possible. Did you find out what it meant when you have multiple planets ruled by Capricorn? I tried. That one was a little bit harder to find, like a very specific answer to. But I did okay. do some research in just having Venus and Mars in Capricorn, and I took some notes. And some of them, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like that. That really does sound like me. Can't wait to hear. Her. Yeah. So, do you want to go into yours first and give us sure. give us let us know what yours are and how you see them, or kind of like what the traits are and how slash if because I I don't assume everything matches with mm-hmm. you, but how and if they do you see them translating into your relationships and to your like sexual dominant side? Yeah. So, learning. I'll start with my Venus, which is the planet of love, uh, how we like to be loved, and how we love in general too. Mine's Leo, and when I read about it, it totally help me a little bit understand as to my toxic and my traits that I bring to the table when I'm not fully working on myself 100% when I'm at my worst, technically. So my Venus in the positive way is I do show a lot of love, affection. I'm, I do hold back a little bit until I feel most comfortable with somebody. And then I do push things forward with a lot of gusto and just love and passion. Because do you believe in, hold on, let me just refile my thoughts here, your love languages. So my love language is words of affirmation, which totally aligns with Leo because I need a lot of validation in the past relationships that I've been in. Now I've worked on it a lot and I'm very curious to see how I'll be in, in future relationships. It's something that you're constantly managing and watching yourself over. I've been in situationships and dating where I've realized, okay, I've come a long way because I don't need them to be at my back and call telling me how perfect and amazing and that they love me. Before, I needed that constantly because I just needed somebody on the outside to love me. I didn't really love myself, to be honest with you. So that was the trait of the Leo Venus that I realized that I needed healing on. But also... When I'm in something, I am words of affirmation. I'm constantly loving you. I will always explain to you and express to you my love, even when it comes to my friendships too. One of my best friends, Gregory, I remember sitting with him like crying at his house being like, I love you. Like I deeply love you. There is a portion of my heart that is dedicated to you. And there's a lot of friends that I have in my life where I love them so fully and deeply once I feel the most comfortable. My Mars is in Libra. And Mars is sex and aggression. So aggression meaning when we're mad, angry, how we handle conflict and how we are in bed, right? Sexually. So how I am when it comes to conflict and argument makes total sense because I do find myself not wanting to, first of all, be in conflict I also don't really respond well to people who are aggressive with me. So usually I shut down or I stay quiet or allow them to express and to, I call it sometimes a performance because I think sometimes people's behavior is so silly. But when I'm upset, I need a time to simplify my thoughts, step aside, think about it, and then come to them with a plan of action proper communication skills, and ultimately a resolution because that's what I want to find. In bed, I'm like... (sighs) So it makes sense when I told you I ask questions about what they like and how they want things because Libras and Mars specifically are people pleasers. They want to please you. And they're people pleasing in the positive way and they can be people pleasing in the bad way where sometimes you could... I suppress or don't prioritize how I should feel about a situation in order for there just to be no conflict at all, to have a full resolution. So in bed, it's the same thing. I'm so willing and open to pleasure you and please you. I want to hear everything, but I'm also not the kind of person that's just going to be the only one on my knees. I have met so many tops throughout my process that don't get blowjobs. And I'm like, guys, we have to, it's a give and take baby. So with it, yeah, I'm so when I say I'm giving, I don't just I'm not submissive and I'm like, 
take my body. This is me. (laughs) Take all of it. (laughs) It's more of, I want to hear how you want to be pleasured. And then I want to be completely present in bed. So yeah, that's my, that's my mark. But my, but again, when it comes to the toxic side of it, I was going to tell you every side has my little, so my toxic of my Mars in Libra is that I can come off passive aggressive sometimes, which I am I don't realize it. I think I've heard from maybe three people, four people, because it really sat in my head that my tone can come off not condescending, but there's a P word, patronizing, where I think I'm almost better than the other person. There is a sense of my approach where I think that I am sometimes emotionally more developed than other people. But then that goes into my superiority complex, which I've gotten a lot of healing on, where I think that I have it all together so I can navigate this conversation and find the best resolution because I'm smarter than you. But I've had to get rid of that and I still work on it because it's not something that's completely gone. But where I have to understand that people are humans and if they are emotional, doesn't mean that they're weak. It means that's just how they feel. And I've tried my best to see that side because I always have considered my way the most positive way of working on things, which in a lot of ways, I'll be aware that it is very a positive approach, but... <laughs> like oftentimes, I mean, 100% of the time, it is. I <laughs> know. Uh, it's because I'm just not... I don't need to yell at you and stuff. It's not that to me has never been the best way of going about things. Well, yeah. And you said that when people are like that with you, you shut down, which honestly, same. I'm the same way. I've had people come for me a couple of times or even in arguments. And I remember an ex-boyfriend and one of my best friends recently where they got upset at me and they're like, JC, why did you not say anything? And to me, ultimately, it just came down to, I'm not Misery loves company and I'm not going to join them in this experience. I'm also only going to let it hit the exterior of my body and flow right off because I'm not going to let you take the best of me and get all of my emotions because I reserve that for myself. And ultimately, I'm trying to find a resolution. So hearing that other person and what's going on with their thoughts helps me navigate where I can then come to them with maybe why I got there. The bad side of it though is that doesn't always work out for people. They want to fight. They want to argue. And again, it comes off as if I'm smarter, better, and more mature than them. But I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. Everyone has like different confrontation styles, I think. And I would be on your boat. I would be like, all right, get it out. Get it out. I'm not going to internalize this. I'm not letting this. I like what you said, roll off, hit you and roll off. So what is your... Venus, and then what is your Mars? And what did you find out? So I'm Capricorn for both. And starting with Venus, I took a couple notes. So some of the traits, the Venus and Capricorn traits that I think, and this can be, just clarify, Venus can be relationships like sexual or friendships, right? So, or just like any type of situation All like of it's dealing okay. with just the word love, yeah. Love, okay. So some of the words that I see as traits that with me are like shy, reserved, old-fashioned. Practical is a very big one. And I think that's something that I've realized a lot this year that my pragmatic, practical approach to things, especially relationships, is something that I need to be aware of and moving forward. And I don't want to say... I don't want to necessarily claim it as a bad thing yet, but I am just hyper aware of it now. And In what, in what um, way? In what way? What, what have you learned exactly? Or what are you figuring out with that? I think that, okay, so this actually, I think it ties into one of the quotes that I have written down here too. So this first quote, it says, may have been accused a time or two of being unfeeling or unwilling to give your love to another person. Yeah. So that one. So I thought of this as specifically, I just, I feel like my approach to certain relationships in certain situations has been, what is the most, what makes the most logical sense? I'm very like pragmatic. I'm like, does this make logical sense for this to continue? Or does this make sense for me to pursue this? Whether it's like someone, you know, in a relationship or like a beginning one or like at the beginning of a potential one. And I feel like I leave emotion out of it a lot. And I think a lot more in practical terms. And I've gotten feedback like that too, where someone doesn't really understand how I am able to make a certain decision because there is motion involved already. And I don't know if it has to do with my Venus or just... I know in the closet too, I like rationalize things. I was very pragmatic about things and I was able to rationalize. And what's that word where you compartmentalize a lot? And so I'm able to sometimes block out emotion, like emotions that I'm feeling in order to make a decision. And to me, I'm just like, it just makes the most logical sense. But I think that 
in order for me to be a good partner in the, in the future, I need I, I can't just look from a practical a, from the practical lens. I need to look at it from an emotional one too because I think that practicality is important in a lot of situations, but I think emotion is too. It is, but also if it doesn't come naturally, I always say never put too much emphasis on trying to be something that you just naturally aren't because you're pragmatic, being more heady about situations because I can also relate. Also, um, Capricorn and Virgo, myself, are both are signs that we use a lot of our brain to to process things. I'm also not emotional very much about things. I'm emotional when I love somebody and I can express that. So more of my happy side and my sad side. But when it comes to issues or things, I use a lot of my brain because I just think that's just how I am naturally. So I think like it's that's going to be a really big challenge to naturally try to feel emotional. I mean, seeing, yeah. but again, you're using your brain again to rationalize your emotions. <laughs> it's just a yes. natural feeling for you. Yes. And it really is. And I do think that there is some power to it. And I actually do like that about myself, but I'm just more aware of it through recent situations that I've been in. And so I'm, I just want to, as long as I'm aware of what's happening, I think that's the key. I'm, I don't necessarily think I need to change completely or whatever. Like you said, don't put too much emphasis on, on trying to be something you're not. But I think self-awareness is key. And so as long as I'm aware of what's happening... And this going through this exercise like helped reaffirm that. I was like, yes, that is exactly how I act. And this is how it has affected me in certain situations. And so I'll just be more aware of it. Because I, I don't think I was aware of it when I was going through some of these situations. I wasn't like, I didn't realize what was really happening or like why it was happening. So this did help clarify a little bit of that. And then also another one that really stuck out to me was, yes, it may take you a while to open yourself up to someone, but once you let down your defenses, you will do whatever it takes to make sure your relationship goes well. And for me, that resonated a lot with my first relationship because I was like 30. So first relationship at 30, I've never had to depend on somebody else for my entire life. I've never had to rely on somebody else for my entire life. I've never had to share, not answer to somebody, but like never had to somebody to check in with. Like I never had, I was just always so like hyper independent. And I like that about, I like that about myself. I travel by myself. I do everything by myself. Still, I really enjoy that. So it took me a really long time to get to a point where I was like ready to relinquish some of this independence and start depending on somebody else. And it took me a long time. And luckily, the person that I was with was like the most patient, sweet, kind person I could have ever had for a first boyfriend. And so like he was like super patient with me and waited till he never pressured me into labels or any moving forward next steps. Like he just let me get there by myself. And it was, which was like great for me, like great for my growth and like didn't rush me or anything like that. So I lucked out in that sense, but it definitely resonated because I definitely took my sweet ass time. And a lot of people would have been like, bye. Like I am not waiting around (laughs) for me. So, so that one definitely resonated as well. Yeah, it's hard because I'm very similar to you now in my at this point in my life where before I just every time any guy gave me an inch, I would go take him <laughs> the word inch. Uh, not like sexually. Uh, <laughs> but I would go I, that too. I would go take it an extra mile and be obsessive and I would blow up their phone and need need. It was constantly needy yeah. and I needed them to love me, I needed them to focus on me. Now I've, I am emotionally available, but I'm also aware of my emotions in the sense that if I'm not feeling it, I don't just waste anybody's time any longer. I am patient, yeah. but I'm also patient with myself too, because people have to go on a date, they immediately want to go to the altar. And so for me, it feels like that sometimes. And it's a lot of pressure it too, does. because I don't know, I'm not looking for my one right now, but. I know that he's out there and he's going to come. I just want it to naturally happen the way the universe wants it to lie out. And so sometimes when you go on a date, if I know it's kind, so I don't want to be, I don't want to say it's bad. But then the follow-up the next day and then the constant text messages and the good mornings, and then we have to FaceTime and stuff like that. And so that makes me feel like there's a lot of pressure and puts a lot of expectation, which I just don't think is healthy yeah. to approach with dating is expectations. How do you... So actually, I'm curious. How do you navigate the situations where you do go on a date, but... And like you just said, if you're not feeling it, you let them know. How do you navigate that in a delicate way or in a tactful way that is just honest, but also maybe not being an asshole? Yeah. Oh, 
I, cause I completely respect people when I'm feeling this way because ultimately I don't want them to be embarrassed or feel, and I don't want to add to their insecurities, although I can't help that sometimes if they have these feelings about themselves. So I try to lay it as gently as possible, but I'll go on the date. I'll completely enjoy and be present with them. And when I get home, if there's a follow-up, maybe the next day, if we both don't really communicate, then we probably are both on the same page. And I just let it naturally fizz out the way it's supposed to. But then there's times where there's that consistency and the follow-up and stuff. And I just, I do just let them know, Hey, I don't feel that connection between us romantically. I love what you brought to the table. I loved our date. It was really sweet, but I want to continue dating and looking around for the next person, but good luck. And if you want a friendship, I respect whatever is next for our relationship, but I'd love ultimately a friendship. And how do you feel like the responses typically are to, to that in your experience? I mean, it's not always the same wording that I just said, but that's me just generalizing it. Sure. I mean, it's pretty good. There's been a couple of times, yeah, where they're, they've been forward and say they're not interested in a friendship or they remove me as a friend on Instagram, unfollow me, all that stuff. Yeah. But for the most part... Sometimes I, you got to do that. Sometimes that's self-care. Yeah. They need to protect themselves. They need to put themselves yeah. first. So I don't hold it against them. Doesn't hold, I don't take it personally. Yeah. Got to do what you got to do. I think that it's re- this is a really important thing for people to do. And I don't, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm good at this either. I have certainly have been less than tactful or less than communicative when I'm not feeling things and have probably confused people in the past slash present. I don't like still like it's, I'm, I still struggle with this. And that's kind of why I was asking the question. But what I have learned though, especially when I was in like, well, no, not even in just San Francisco, even here too, like I have learned that the gay community is small. You are going to see these people again. You are going to probably be at the same places as these people again. You probably have mutual friends, etc. You don't want to end these things and be like known as I don't think I think of this. I don't want to be known as like the guy who is like the ghoster or the guy who leads people on. And so I think, and also it's like better for the other person's mental sanity as well to just give, be honest and give them this closure. And I think like the initial shock and the sting of someone telling you that they're not into you will wear off once they realize or once you realize because it happens to me too. Like when people say it to me, like I, it stings at first and you're like, fuck, you feel bad. But then you're like, you know what? All they did is just tell me how they felt and they were honest with me. And that's really what I want. That's so that the sting wears off, I think. So it is something though that I, I really try to practice and implement. I mean, I don't really have that issue right now because there's the, <laughs> the barrel's pretty empty. But but when I am dating again, when I am dating again, like hope I'm gonna, I really want to do things a little bit better this time. And one thing that I learned through, I will say one thing I learned through like my breakup as well was like the importance of being communicative and being honest and sharing how you're feeling. And despite it like sucking, I'm gonna try to carry forward some of the lessons that I learned into dating in the future, whenever that happens for me. <laughs> Yeah. I still, I can relate to you in a lot of ways in the sense that I am not perfect. And I definitely accidentally fall into the trap of leading somebody on a little bit. And I don't mean to, it's almost a little selfish. I think there's a little ego that gets involved with it in a sense that I like that attention from that one human. It's funny. I don't like attention from like, when we're at bars and stuff, I don't need all that attention or anything like that. But when you have that one-on-one, that intimacy, there's this that's, I think that's why I subconsciously, depending on where I'm at in my life, will keep them around for my own benefit. And so I've yeah. had to remove my ego in some senses. I'm still trying my best to be the best. I will say that this chapter, as I said earlier in my life where I've fallen in love with our community, I think that's also helped me be more mindful about how to approach queer people and queer relationships because a lot of these people, including myself and many people that can relate to this, we are already going through enough things as queer people. Why within our community do we want to add more to that toxicity? Why do we want to hurt each other more? If we can all help each other navigate to a successful, healthy queer relationship, and if I can do my part, then I'm going to do that. If we could all help each other heal our collective trauma a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, because that's one thing that we could all pretty much across the board relate to. (laughs) Truly, I mean, I see a lot of queer people through that lens, especially when I'm dating. They're putting themselves out there. There's still a lot of people who are closeted. There's still people who can't do that, who are not confident enough in that space. And so here we are sitting on a date. You're opening yourself up. How shitty would that be if I added more to 
already what you're probably yeah. going through with dating. Exactly. Yeah. Well, JC, I want to get to your story. I will just wrap up really quick with my Mars just because I know we didn't get to that one yet, but I yeah. definitely want to make sure we're saving time for you. So for Mars, and could you remind me, which one was Mars again? <laughs> what is this? Sex and aggression. So it's how you are oh, when handling conflict or maybe in an argument and heat. Oh. And then speaking of heat, in the bedroom. <laughs> oh my God. I sound, This makes me sound so boring, but I'm like... Is it wrong? The Mars and Capricorn traits. I'm just going to read them off. I'm not going to specify which ones are exceedingly accurate, but I'll let you be the. I'll let you guess that. It's practical practicality. She's back. Conservative, responsive, disciplined, traditional, controlled, level-headed. Oh my gosh, I sound so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but do you feel that way? Like, how would you say I, you are in conflict and in sex? Yes, of course. I feel. I am all of, I think I am a lot of those. I think that I still feel a lot of I feel like I still feel like a teenager in a lot of ways because my like sexual experiences didn't really start kicking off till very late in my life and at least the ones that I wanted to be having and then getting thrown into San Francisco or I guess throwing myself into San Francisco and whereas one of the meccas of gay culture in the US at least and just learning about how hypersexual the, the gay community can be or at least can be perceived to be based off of what you on Twitter. It's very daunting. It's very intimidating. And I feel I am this like little traditional nun over here in the corner. I'm not because <laughs> that's what nuns do. I'm not always like that. And I definitely have, I'm getting more comfortable. I think so far it's been a product of just me having experiences and being more and it being exposed to other different types of sexual experiences. Again, because I feel like I grew up with a lot of, I don't want to keep using the word trauma, but like a lot of sexual hangups based off of how I was raised and taught about sex as a kid. And then just repeated failed experiences trying to have sex with women. And so I just think that for me, I'm like still breaking down a bunch of these walls. And I think that leads me to be some of these vocab words that we just shared. And I think I, there is a couple of the comments or the lines that I saw that resonated again. And this kind of, these align very a lot with the Venus ones as well. But one is you don't take commitment lightly and aren't one to rush into a relationship. We already checked that one off. And then this one, which I think you and I have talked about this, was this one says, although your reserved exterior may lead people to believe there isn't much passion below the surface, you actually have a strong libido and an earthy sensuality that you reveal to someone once you've gotten closer. And for me, one of the one of the ways that I the instances in which I am not as boring, well, I don't call it boring, but boring, is when I like feel a connection with somebody. If I feel a connection with someone, it doesn't have to be like a deep thing. It's literally, I don't feel comfortable meeting up, usually meeting up with random people on Grindr. But if we were to go get a drink or hang out for a little bit, or even just like chat for a little bit, I would feel much more comfortable and like open to those experiences. It's the ones where like, just like the anonymous hookup situation, that's where I'm still like, I have definitely have some hangups. And it's just, it could just not be my cup of tea. But I also like don't want to just assume that and close myself off from certain experiences because I haven't put myself out there. I can relate to that in a lot of ways. Learning, and we can talk about this now or another time, but learning that I'm demisexual and learning that I can't do random grinder hookups. I have to have that connection with you. I definitely need to like yeah. have a chat with you at a bar or a restaurant or even sometimes a little bit longer before I actually open myself up sexually. I think yeah. there's a lot of pressure before I found out that I was demi that there was a lot of pressure within our community that I felt because everybody is so hypersexual. It's so simple for somebody to get on Grindr, find somebody who's hot, send a couple of dick pics, say, hey, what's up? And then they're already boning in five minutes. So that to me, I could never yeah. relate to it. I, it made me feel a little bit weird. Like I was a freak or I was different because I needed to open myself up. It's monogamy within our community too. There's a lot of pressure to need to be open-minded about being in open relationships when in actuality, it's totally okay if you have your reservations about certain things and you do want to be in a monogamous relationship or you don't want to be on grinder fucking people. That is everybody's prerogative. And I think we just all need that open space to present ourselves in whatever way we want to. This conversation is very topical to me right now because I am single again and I am trying to meet people and to I want to be having experiences with guys. I want to be dating. I want to get get back out there in a sense, but I find myself very frustrated because I'm like I'll go and grind and I'll be like, God, I wish this was easier for me. I wish I was like more down for this. I wish I was like the guy who can just go on and meet somebody and then five minutes later like you walk in their place. Like right now I'm like frustrated with myself at times. Not really frustrated, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish 
I was a little bit more open. And so and I'm just like not at the moment. And I'm trying not to, I'm also, maybe I'm not ready to get back in there too. Maybe that's a sign as well. But yeah, it's just like, I need to get to know someone first and I'm having trouble doing that here too. So it's just all compounding right now. But I know that it's also like a timing thing. That's I can that. relate in so many ways because I still, now that I know who how I am sexually and I've, I've been out there since I was 14, that I've realized that this is just who I am. I'm not going to, f- even when there's been times, I was telling somebody recently, I went to a party and I don't know what Miss Universe was trying to do to me. And I was like, girl, we need to settle it because daddy is not horny right now. I just want to be out with my friends socializing. And she was presenting a lot of options to me that evening. And I wasn't interested in performing that night. And it was really weird because I do go through moments where I'm not being approached and it's totally fine. And then there's this moments where it just hits really hard one day, like a rain shower. So the forecast is constantly changing every time I go out. But I've realized that I'm not going to change probably. And if I am, I'm going to allow it to happen the way it's supposed to. But I've gotten just more comfortable with the fact that I am a person who needs time to get to know somebody that needs to take my time with somebody before my... Because this guy down here, my friend, Venus, it doesn't work unless I'm into it. So it reacts that way too. People can see when we're not into it. So... Yeah, I used to put a lot of pressure too. And if I do a random hookup and I'm a grower, not a shower. So I mean, I pretty much look like I have a vagina once I'm not <laughs> feeling it. So it's like, I, I'm not really enjoying myself and they can tell. And that's given me the opportunity to just create my boundaries and what's healthy for myself along the way. Self-awareness king, JC Queen. Self-awareness queen, JC Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for us. Um, so you just mentioned, and now you know, I want to transition to your story. And so you mentioned that you came out at 14. Could, could you walk us through what that experience was like for you? Because that's literally yeah. half of the age that I came out at, which I'm just like, why did it take me so long? Damn it. It's tough, Not right? To I, no, it, but it, it is. I think I find what I went through to be less challenging when you come out early. Although at that age, I went through my stuff. I think it's harder to keep that in, especially... Now it's like keeping us that secret, the heaviness of it all back to me being like a pathological liar. And now being 100% dedicated to truth speaking, I could not imagine carrying that amount of weight with me because that's such a big part of who we are. But when I was 14, so I've always known that I was gay or am gay. I knew that I liked, I was attracted to boys when I was in kindergarten. My first crush was this guy, Kennedy. Although I had a crush on this girl named Daniela too, which was very confusing. But I ultimately, each grade, I would go home and I would think about them and be like, oh my God, Scott in second grade, what a man, you know, and he's four. So during that time though, that's what I was, I was so into each boy in each one of my classes growing up. I knew very well that I was and I think it was really hard for me to carry. I was already going through a lot as a kid. You've heard through my story on the podcast, but I did go through a high level of child abuse as a kid. And so with that, it put me in this place of like isolation at all times. I was always in my room, a little more timid, very shy, very quiet. And I was around family, which they're not like this now. So I don't want people to go to my parents and burn them at stake because now they've healed in a lot of ways and become better. But at the time, they would use the F word and say that being a faggot, I hate using that word, is wrong and disgusting. And it was something that was always within my household. So Thursday night, Grey's Anatomy, right before Brothers and Sisters was airing, I was sitting down watching TV. And it was right around when Desperate Housewives was out. And this character on the show named Justin was openly gay. And I remember he kissed somebody on screen. It was in all of People magazine and everything. And my mom's like, ew, gross. Why do they have to show that? And I remember thinking, like, I need to tell somebody. This really is a lot of weight that I'm carrying as a kid. So I took her into her office and I'm crying, telling her that I'm gay. And my mom's like, it's okay. We're going to get help. We're going to fix this. You're going to be a lot better. There's going to be a lot of healing. And from that point, we went on this journey where I was in counseling with the Christian church that I was in. So I went to that, which is probably, it's a really bad place to be when you're telling a child that what they're naturally feeling is not correct and that they need to change and telling them all these different biblical stories that are so aged, that's how you should be. 
I think that was probably worse for me because it was just confirming from another adult that I am not right. What's weird about it all, to be honest with you, I think it's God. I think it's the universe, it's whatever you guys believe in. I do think that through it all, I've always was never ashamed about being gay. I was outed in high school for my freshman year. So it was eighth going into freshman year. Nobody knew who I was. And then magically I go to school and everybody knows who I am. They're calling me faggot, throwing against the lockers, bullied every day. It's just, it's crazy. When I do therapy, I've learned to separate that person. It's a very healing thing for me. But I look at that kid and what had it, that kid experienced, the bullying and the abuse and stuff like that. But through this all, I'm not, I'm being really serious when I say this, being gay saved me. It really, that was the only true thing that I could truly believe in and that I knew that I was. I look back now and if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be this person that I'm so proud to be now. And I'm grateful that I did get outed. I'm grateful I did tell my parents at that age. And then after the counseling through Christian church and all that stuff, I took a little bit of months to not talk about it. And I started dating this guy and I kept it secretive. I was not supposed to have a MySpace. I had an alias name. Somehow, my now gay brother, not gay at the time, found my MySpace, told my mom, and on there it said I was gay. And so this was second day of high school, August 26th. I was 16 years old, going on my 17th birthday. So this is senior year. She asked me if this was my MySpace and if me having a boyfriend is true. And I said, yes. And she said I needed to leave. And so it was crazy, but I packed all my stuff. And my best friend, who was the second person I ever came out to, she picked me up. And long story short, her parents took me in and they gave me a home to live in the rest of my senior year. So I stayed with her and she and her family were such... They were my angels because they showed me a safe space to be me and to love me. And I could be funny and silly. Whereas at my parents' house, I'd sit at dinner tables, very quiet and completely isolated from them. You, I had my two brothers that they were so talkative with and they were so engaged with, but there was this, it's very relatable when I see in movies, that little outcast kid that's at the table who's quiet, finishing with his dinner. And it's almost like James and the Giant Peach where they're just making fun of him because he's different. And my stepdad made sure that I had a very negative space to live in at constant times to make me feel ashamed of myself. That somehow, some way, Lanesh and her family, and I think just a sliver of hope that things would just get better. I think yeah. I just was married to that hope and yeah. came out of it. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate this. Of course. And- I'm really interested to hear what you said or to hear what you said earlier about how you said being gay saved you. And despite you going through a lot of these really challenging situations at such a young age, you still feel that way. I'm thinking like, because I tried to change it. I wanted to change it. I wish I could change it. Now I don't. But like back when I was still struggling with it, those were some of the thoughts that I had. Were you experiencing that or were you, despite all of this, still just like pretty steadfast and this is who I am? And I'm not going to change. I'm not, you know. Being gay was the least of my worries about anything. I think I, it felt so right. And getting kicked out of my house felt so right. It's, there's just things, it was the birth of my intuition. And I think as gay people, we have such a heightened intuition because we had to ultimately feel and sense that we are, we're gay people. So the birth of my intuition was around that time. And I think that's why it saved me so much because I was able to navigate my life through that lens. Never was truly ashamed of it. I have a lot of grace and I have a lot of empathy or sympathy for people that you were explaining yourself and a lot of other people who dealt with higher, maybe more intense levels of internal homophobia, whereas of course I did as well. I still, we all have it in us and we still have to navigate it. Oh, as queer people, that's just one of the, it's awful, but that's what makes us stronger, right? But anyway, gay... Never was, again, I think I was just, I finally could speak truth to something in my life. Like I said, I was constantly lying about who I was and what my family did for a living because I went to a really predominantly wealthy school. My parents were not the richest people in the neighborhood. We had a nice house and we lived a nice life, but 
nothing in comparison to everybody else. So I would try to live at that standard, make up a lot of lies about them and about my life and who I was. And I think being gay, maybe that was the birth as well as my way of navigating how to truth speak in my life. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the only time I really experienced internal homophobia was being more ashamed that I had a pretty like outward feminine side. I would go on dates in my 20s and meet guys and I would have a deeper voice. And it was so automatic. Kind of like code switch. Yeah. It was like a button that got pressed when I would go on a date. I'd be like, yeah. hey, what's going on? Nice to meet you. And I'm like, inside, I'm like, come on, queen, what are you doing? They're going to figure out that you have this voice. And I think I was ashamed of it. And that's where my internal homophobia lied in, in many ways that I was ashamed of how feminine I was versus being gay in itself. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I find myself like, use, it's the words I use. I'll be like, I'll say dude and man a lot more <laughs> when I'm feeling it. So I show them around like straight guys. I'm like, what's up, dude? <laughs> it's funny too, because now being around straight men, especially in the world that I work in, I'll meet men that are straight and I'm just like, just queening the house down boots, like totally <laughs> giving them a full sleigh. Right. And I am just, I'm, and I think, like I said, the more outward and the more expressive I am with who I truly am helps me not jump into the subconscious internal homophobia where I'm like, you got to be straight, JC, you got to act like this. And I still think it, I still yeah. consider it when I am presented a straight man, that baby urge is like down there, but she's not bubbling. Right. Yeah. What's bubbling she is, is this, not bubbling to this. She is not seeing this surface. No, I uh, was bubbling like champagne. It's like popping a cork. I'm just super gay. I just <laughs> got to let myself be who I am and express that true, authentic side of me. Yeah. But yeah, ultimately, I gave my parents a big ultimatum when I was moving to New York City. Look, this is, I'm not going to let you guys sink into my brain. I don't need y'all anymore. Thank God. I'm not going to allow you to treat me this way anymore, period. And I'm going to keep going moving forward with my life, whether you like me or not, because I don't need you. And I felt free not being in the grips of people who had control over my life and waking up every day of your life. Imagine a child waking up every day, not sure what they're going to do to your body. You had to be completely allowing them to take, drag you, pin you on a floor. Like you don't know what you're going to wake up to the next day. And now that I had a voice to say, no, not at all. I literally am going to do this now. I don't care if I'm on the streets. They did not believe that I was going to be able to do it. And I worked and I dedicated my life to work my ass off to make sure that I could achieve that for myself as a queer person and as me, JC Queen for myself. Wow. I am so happy that you got to that point where you were able to have that, draw those boundaries and have that, I guess like that defiance, that confidence to get to that position. Because I'm sure, as, especially as a kid, to do that at such a young age, like it's, I got to, I have to imagine it's got to be so much more difficult. But once you get to a certain point where you're able to move, you're able to, your life is less centered around them, like from a location standpoint too, but also like the emotional freedom you must have felt from being able to communicate that must have been really huge. It was just nice because I didn't have the strength to do it before because I was too scared of the consequences. But once you're free sure. and out of the house, you can say whatever you want and that's just be it. Now that has caused wonderfully a level of respect from them in a lot of ways. And I think that also opened the door, my little brother's closet door, because he saw what I experienced and it made him more afraid to come out. But yeah. it really helped them loving Justin so much, my little brother. I think their respect for me, seeing that what they did was wrong, and then also us working through it as a family, and then Justin coming out who they... He was the youngest, so they put him on this altar. It really completely, I think, us together helped my mom and my dad navigate that. And now they're just wonderful people. Yeah. So I would love to talk about, or just to get some insight on your journey from where you were then having that conversation with them to, because like you said, in your younger years, like pathological liar and some of the internalized homophobia stuff to where you are today, where you like, again, we just met, but like, I am obsessed with your personality. I think you're incredible. I love how authentic you are. And I know that it must've been a journey to get to the point that I know you as today. So I'd love to hear a little bit about 
your journey from where you were to where you are today and like how you were able to get to this point and also like your parents' journey and because it sounds like they made a lot of really great strides and you guys have a much better relationship now. So I'd love to, if you're comfortable talking about that journey, I'd love to hear a little bit more. It really started when I was 19. I was going through a lot of memory flashbacks of my childhood. And I think that in a lot of ways, I was constantly reminded about it throughout my days. I was smoking a lot of marijuana to suppress it, to, to get rid of the thoughts because they were like so... It was really weird. I'd never experienced something like that. I think it's because I was going through it in the moment. And then after I got kicked out, I didn't really think about it after that because I was trying to protect myself, I guess. But So during that time, I was with an ex-boyfriend. I only did this one time. I've never done this to myself ever again, but I tried to commit suicide at that time by jumping in front of a train. And it was really bad. My boyfriend had to save me, be there with me, hold me. I like was really wanting to do it just purely because I didn't have, I didn't know brain-wise how to get rid of these thoughts and these feelings that I was bombarded with, right? After that, a miracle happened. And this girl gave me this book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And that book, oh my God. did you read that too? It's like my sister's like Bible. And she gave me her copy that she made all of her notes. And I haven't read it yet, but I've heard ex- extremely good things about it. Changed my whole... It, this person I am today yeah. was because of that. And I... Wow. Page 24, I remember I was washing my hands at this place in Hell's Kitchen. And it's just almost all of a sudden, it's like a cloud was completely lifted off. I remember walking through the city being like, I've never been so blind in my life and now I can see. And it helped me really heal a lot of things. Now, did everything heal that moment? No, but that pretty much started that experience for me. I started really reading a lot of things about Buddhism, Hinduism, just trying to understand how to heal. There's this part of me that wanted to live so badly. And I didn't realize that urge and that survival, that need to still be alive and experience human experience was still there because before it's just option was just death really. So with reading that and that process, many years started to come. So I would read it. I moved back to San Antonio. I was more into more like solitude, quietness, I didn't go out. I didn't have very many friends. I just was trying to find work. I then started working for Nordstrom at the time, still with the company currently. Not as like full-time as I used to be, but I was with that company at the very beginning. And that also helped me learning that fashion I was really good at. I didn't know that I was going to be my calling really. or It's not my future calling, but it is part of who I am as a person. So that, I think... The dating experience, I went from San Antonio when I was 24. I moved to Denver. Didn't know why, but like I said earlier, there was this birth of intuition that happened after coming out, getting kicked out of the closet, trusting my intuition to go back to San Antonio from New York, begin to heal. So when I was 24, I moved to Denver. That was interesting. The chapter of San Antonio when I was a kid was the crazy stuff, right? And then... New York was me getting the Power of Now book. Going back to San Antonio was me learning about that I'm good at fashion and that I have a creative side that people loved about me and I loved about myself. I just was so passionate about it. Naturally created a clientele book just naturally, which was another really crazy thing. Then moving to Denver was the time where my mom and I had already made amends and my stepdad and I were getting better. And I remember I was out of my apartment and I was at my, my, in my dad's office because my parents work out of their house. And so I was laying on his office floor. And I remember I had already been reading about Denver. I was going to move there. It was already set to happen. And I didn't know why I was doing it. I truly had no clue. It was a very intuitive thing. Never been there before. Didn't know enough about it. And I remember my mom was just like, JC, you've been trusting your instinct a lot throughout these years. You just got to trust that this is what you're supposed to do. And if it feels right, you're just scared. It's okay. You're going to manage it. You're going to make it happen. That chapter of my life, that drive to Denver was one that I didn't think I was going to survive because I went on my own and I was in that car with my thoughts. My thoughts were very 
kill yourself, drive off. You want to drive off the mountain. And it just having to survive those thoughts and knowing that I really still wanted to go. I look back now and it was crazy. It's like all those thoughts were just chipping away as I was passing Texas, as I was going into New Mexico, as I was driving 25, it just was chipping and chipping. It was like cracks off my skin going into the air. And I started going on hikes. I learned that about that desperation side of me that wanted love. And I would go to gay bars and try so hard to find a hookup or go home with somebody. If I didn't, it was defeating. And I felt that I was ugly or I wasn't the best. And I had to, I mean, I'm so grateful I went through all that because I had to experience those things. I had to go through the desperation to need somebody. I had to go on those hikes to peak mountains because I needed to see earth and I needed to see my life for what it really was and be faced with the ugly and the beautiful. And Denver gave me the ugly and the beautiful all at once. And I think my self-confidence, my self-esteem, my everything that I am today was 100% from that 19 to 26 stage where I needed that healing so, so desperately. I mean, I can't imagine my life not being awake now and being here on this earth. And it's so, I think every day I wake up and I'm so grateful that I'm alive because I'm just, I love it. And I never thought I was ever going to be a person that saw life this way. And I do Mm -hmm. every single day I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, thank God I have air in my lungs and I have a job and I have friends, people who like me. I was not liked very much San Antonio and Denver because I was never authentically me. I tried so hard to fit in. I was desperate to find people and follow things and just be somebody I wasn't. And the more that chipped away and the more I just truly got more into my skin, the more I started attracting people in my life that saw me for me and loved me. And and I think about this all the time when on my birthday and when people show up for me, that was not my life before. And I was not popular. I didn't have a lot of friends. I wasn't loved and adored the way I am now to the extent that I am. And that's why I see it. I think I'm so much more grateful for it because I was presented such ugly things at the beginning of my life. And I think that made me more resilient and stronger. And there's always darkness before dawn. I so believe that. So even when I'm going through bad times in my life, I know that there's a light still because of what I had gone through. And I, that has been this now, this journey, like I told you in LA has been more about me loving my queer community. Who would have thought I was always wondering what is LA's chapter about? Not that I always need chapter book titles, but when coming to LA, I was like, why am I even here? It's been to focus on my career, meet genuinely authentic, amazing, beautiful, queer people and have my chosen family. And I think that's why I've dedicated my life now to share the stories and to connect with other people, learn other people's stories. And I don't know, ultimately just celebrate life. JC, I am so grateful for you sharing. I'm not surprised about your, because as far as I've known you, you've been nothing but vulnerable and authentic. And I just want to thank you so much for continuing that as a part of reaching out. I'm like super fortunate to have even met you and come across you and what you said about Again, I don't know how the fuck I found you, but I truly felt from 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 listening to your podcast and you mentioned this just now is you're starting to attract these people by being authentic and this conversation is case in point of that. Like it was your just your personality shines even through a fucking podcast. Like I can just just I had a feeling I was like I need to know this person. I need to like get to know him because it was your energy is so magnetic. And drew me to drew me into it and drew me to you. And I'm so happy that you and I, I feel so fortunate now that you and I have gotten to connect like over the last couple of weeks. And what I just like everything you just said, like I especially around like your healing journey of deciding to be authentic and all of that. And it's I just think you I like see it so much now. And it's so interesting to compare it to like learning about what life was like for you before. 
to where you are now, it's like you have made so much fucking progress. It's truly incredible. I just know that there's somebody out there who's going to be hearing this and it's really going to make a big deal. I truly believe that. And so I just, I can't thank you enough for just like being on here and sharing. Um, Well, thanks for giving me the space. And also thanks for being so nice to say all these words and to want to be friends with me. I really mean them. I I know I do. do. I feel you do. I feel you do, which feels so good. And I think that's why you've been so fun to talk to. Even our DMs exchanges, you're hilarious. You're funny. I could tell you're comfortable with me, which makes me also feel comfortable with you. And alarmingly comfortable. I'm like, I'm like, should I like tone it down a little bit, or should, am I just gonna, am I just gonna show him my true self right off the bat? You should. It's beautiful. I've loved what know, you showed me so far. Well, and well, you are. You, you mean you're the what did I call it? The beacon of permission. So I feel comfortable with that. I I love that word. Me too. Isn't that good? I didn't, it's really good. I don't know if he made it up or if my friend Rick made it up or if it's like an actual term, but it's what you are, I think. So, yeah. Well, G, I definitely I need to be mindful of your time here. I know because <laughs> we've had some technical difficulties that have made this last a little bit longer than I think we had budgeted for in, your, in our schedules. But I have loved every single minute and I've really cherished getting to know you a little bit better. And I'm just so thankful to have you on here. If your story does resonate with any of the listeners or they just want to check out your podcast as well, what's the best way for them to find you and the podcast? Yeah. So it's at JC Queen, J-A-Y-C-Q-U-N. And our podcast is at The Wholesome, drop the W in Wholesome Podcast. The Wholesome Podcast as one word. And thanks, Michael, for having me on. I can't wait to interview you as we want to interview you for our podcast. And we have a great topic of discussion, which we want to talk about Michael's experience about coming out in his later 20s and what that experience was like carrying that weight. So you guys also stay tuned for Michael's episode. We're super excited about that. Yes, stay tuned and go check out the wholesome podcast. Again, I think if you just want like a teaser of what I was talking about, of just their authenticity and their openness, I think the breakup episode was a great one for me to start at and it got me hooked. And it, you're going to, I mean, all of them I've, ever since I've just been, I've been listening to. So you'll like it. So thank you so much, JC. Actually, wait, I want to close it with bye, JC. <laughs> <laughs> bye, Michael. <laughs> bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If today's story resonated with you or you just had a good time listening, feel free to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews we get, the better chance that the show has at being discovered by someone who just might need to hear the very story you heard today. You can also follow along with Reaching Out on Instagram and TikTok at ReachingOutPod. And you can follow me on Instagram at MichaelWingsIt. Bye-bye. See you.